Hello, my fellow seasoned athletes, and welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. The Seasoned Athlete Podcast is your home for stories, inspiration, motivation, training tips, and more directly from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age doesn't have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. You can learn more about this podcast at seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, share with everyone you know, and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode four of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Today, we're talking to Julie Weiss, a.k.a. the Marathon Goddess. In 2013, she embarked on a mission to run 52 marathons in 52 weeks. What would drive someone to take on such an incredible challenge? We're about to find out. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. I've got details on how you can enter the Season Athlete Podcast launch giveaway. You have just a few more days to enter, so get on that. And now, let's meet the marathon goddess herself, Julie Weiss. Hi, Julie. Hi, how are you? I am great. How are you? Good, Robin. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for being on the Season Athlete Podcast. Are you ready to drop some Season Athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I will do my best. <laughs> awesome. You are Julie Weiss from Santa Monica, California, also known as the Marathon Goddess. In 2013, you ran 52 marathons in 52 weeks, covering 1,362.4 miles and raising over $400,000 in the fight against pancreatic cancer. Your marathon journey to raise pancreatic cancer awareness garnered you high-profile media attention from the likes of CNN, The Today Show, The Los Angeles Times, O Magazine, and many other outlets. You are also one of seven featured runners in the inspiring documentary Spirit of the Marathon 2. Last year, you ran your 100th marathon at the 2016 Skechers Performance Los Angeles Marathon, and you're currently working on a book to be released in 2018. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a moment to fill in? Yes, actually. Um, it all has to do with love, okay? Because whatever you're doing, you need to love what you're doing, whether it's training, whether it's whatever it is. If you have love for what you're doing, you're going to be successful. And I find that it's true and not just in running marathons, but in life. That is amazingly wonderful advice. And for some, it's advice that comes with age. Sometimes people don't realize that until they've lived a little bit. So I'm going to ask you the big question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I'm 47. I just turned 47 in April. And I'm a very young grandmother. So I'm super proud of that. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? Uh, that's a great question because for me as a child, I didn't really play sports. I knew that I loved running at an early age because I, I would always do my best to go out there and beat everyone, beat all the boys. But I didn't pursue it. In fact, I kind of went the other route and I became the, the partier and sort of hung out with the wrong crowd or whatever. And I didn't actually start running until I was 37. So I was a late bloomer, but I'm here to tell you, you're never too old to follow your dreams. At 37, I was maybe a midlife crisis or I don't know what, but I was overweight. I was on antidepressants and I found running just 
made me come alive. And I, it's a long story, but I'll leave it short for now. But I, I became very quickly, I, I got the running bug. I've talked to a number of athletes and I'm hearing a variety of stories and some of them have played sports their whole lives. But I do get a few stories from people who were what you would consider to be late in life athletes. I'm actually I consider myself to be a late in life athlete myself. I played roller derby for over a decade, but I didn't start till I was 29 and I never played sports before that. So I agree with you that it's never too late. You you can view yourself as someone who's never been an athlete, but it's not a life sentence of that. If you want to make a change, if you want to try something new, like you said, it's never too late. So don't ever view yourself as someone who can't be something, right? Because you totally can. Absolutely. So can you go into some detail on how you found your way to distance running in particular and marathon running? Uh, distance running? Well, I think it started as sort of a, a weight loss journey for me. Um, I would just try to run around the block or run from one lifeguard tower to the next without passing out. And, you know, then I, I found that I could go a little further each day. And pretty soon my friend said, hey, Julie, let's sign up for a triathlon. I'm like, oh, <laughs> OK. You're like, I've just been running to the lifeguard towers. What is this talk of triathlon? Exactly. So we started doing some swimming and then um, the bike was, you know, it's easy. I just I didn't really train on the bike. But when the event came up, I, I completed that and I, I did fairly well and I was I love that. And so then I thought, okay, let me try a half marathon. So I think it was December of 2007, I, I tried a half marathon and I thought, okay, if I can run 13.1 miles, what's stopping me from running a full 26.2 mile marathon? And I, my dad was like so proud of me, became my biggest fan. So I signed up for the LA Marathon in, in March of 2008, which really only gave me like three months of training. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So uh, that was, wow. <laughs> My first marathon was, uh, I really, after I finished that marathon, I thought I would never do another one because I hit the wall at like mile 14. Oh my goodness. And I still had 12 miles to go. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, but I, I'm happy to say I did finish, but I really swore after that I would never do another marathon, but it, it wasn't long after that until I heard about the Boston Marathon and how you have to qualify. And so I knew that I had to do that. And I knew I wanted to redeem myself from that awful experience. <laughs> and then it just became one after the other. As it often does for people. Mm -hmm. You mentioned your father. And that leads me into your next question, because I understand you had a very personal motivation behind your decision to run 52 marathons in 52 weeks to raise awareness of funds in the fight against pancreatic cancer. Can you talk a bit about that? Absolutely. I uh, I mentioned my dad was my biggest fan. Now, now we didn't have the best relationship growing up. But when I started running, he quickly became so proud of me. And I was proud of myself. And then I told him about Boston. And I had this goal, I would qualify and he would come to see me qualify and come there and see me run Boston. And um, I think it was October of 2010, where I missed qualifying by just under two minutes. And the next day, you know, I was I was pretty upset. But the next day, my mom called to tell me that my father had been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, and that there was nothing the doctors could do. And I was devastated, but I was also like, all right, dad, you're going to beat this and I'm going to qualify for Boston. Had another race coming up and I actually um, was training. He said, even though he was sick, he said, keep training and keep training. And so um, 
sadly, just 10 days before my race and 35 days after his diagnosis, he passed away from pancreatic cancer, just 35 days. And I knew nothing about that disease. And I, I was just so, I, I felt helpless and hopeless. And I, but I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to run that race. And, um, you know, I qualified for Boston 10 days after my father passed away with my hands pointing to him in heaven. And I knew we had done it together. But after that and after everything I had learned about pancreatic cancer, I knew that I had to do something more. And I uh, then had this crazy idea to, I think I heard about one or two other people who had done it, who had run 52 marathons in 52 weeks. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to find a way. And so it was, I think, I want to say March of 2000. 11, no, 12, that I set out on my first marathon of the 52. So 52 marathons in 52 weeks, a marathon a week for a year. I imagine that was a bit of a challenging endeavor, not only physically, but logistically. How did you pull it off? I, a lot of coffee. No, I <laughs> <laughs> That's your advice. If you need to run 52 marathons in 52 weeks, just drink a lot of coffee and you're yeah, good exactly. to go. Somebody else makes the travel arrangements. You drink the coffee. Well, the coffee definitely helped. But I had my motivation was to raise a million dollars, and I was doing this for my dad. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I had a full-time job. Um, my kids were you know, older, but still uh, the husband, the dog, all of that. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was so inspired that I went on to MarathonGuide.com, and I picked up all, my mar- all, the races I would, all the races I would run, and about three hours I had my race schedule. And um, then... You know, logistically, it was tougher, honestly, to get to the marathon, get to the expo, run the race, and then get home, get back to work Monday morning. So that was, I mean, once I was running, it was like, yay, (laughs) you know? That was the easy um, part. Exactly. I mean, it it did become that. I mean, the first first few were obviously uh, a shock to my body, but... Um, after that, it became, you know, I got in the groove, but there was definitely some roadblocks along the way, and... We uh, we just kept going. And then, how much did you end up raising? Was it it was around four hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, I am still on my journey to a million dollars. So uh, I am just over four hundred thousand dollars right now, and uh, we're still going, and we're not going to stop until we have a cure. And we have um, you can go to marathongoddess.com, and there's a, a few different charities that I love that speak to my heart, like the Hirschberg Foundation, Project Purple. Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, some great ones, and and see what speaks to yours. Yeah, and I I noticed that on your website when I went on, that it isn't just one charity. You can choose what speaks to you the most, what what connects with you the most. But there are a number, you you give the options, and then people make the choice. Exactly. There's also another charity called the Lazarus Cancer Foundation, which helps all people with end-stage cancer. So, um, you know, if pancreatic cancer hasn't affected your life somehow, and there's another cancer that you want to help out find that cure, uh, that's a great one as well. They're all good. And it's such an important cause. And pancreatic cancer in particular is just one of the most devastating 
forms of cancer, the, the survival rate, as I understand, is pretty low for pancreatic cancer. I think it was 5% uh, live after five years. It's gone up to about 9% since I started running. So, so there is hope. And, um, you know, the research is, is getting done, but just not fast enough. You know, I'm happy to see those numbers rising for survival rate, but it's still very low. Uh, I think now the third leading cause of cancer death in the United States just surpassed breast cancer last year. And as you know, um, breast cancer was similar uh, a long time ago and didn't have a lot of money for funding. And now there's, there's, there's much more hope for a cure when you're, you're diagnosed with breast cancer. But when you're diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, you know, it's, it's almost like a death sentence. Um, and it's not okay. Yeah. And so it's good that you're going out there and you're doing the work because breast cancer awareness, I think that's fairly common. You see a lot of races and and events dedicated to breast cancer research, not as many for pancreatic cancer. So it's good that you're out there raising awareness and spreading the word because that's that's how you raise the money and that's how you find the cure. Absolutely. So you mentioned your website, MarathonGoddess.com, and I mentioned in your intro that you're known as the Marathon Goddess. Where did that name come from and what does it mean to you? Thank you for that question. It's very silly. I actually found the name on a on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was great. I bought this shirt and um, you know, I, I asked if that name was taken. It was not, so I copyrighted the name and I started my website and that's where I got the name, but it's it's not really about me. You know, the marathon goddess is just basically, you know, whatever it is that you love. I happen to love running marathons. So I'm a marathon goddess, and there's a lot of us. And if you love cooking, you can be a cooking goddess. If you love dancing, whatever it is, biking goddess, you know, <laughs> whatever it is you love to do, that's uh, that's what that name embraces. I love that. My friends call me the burpee queen. Maybe I'm the burpee goddess. Maybe I need an upgrade. Every woman is a goddess, so pass that on. We're all goddesses, and uh, some people just don't know it yet. I love it. So... To my seasoned athletes listening, especially my women, you are all goddesses. You just got to find what kind of goddess you are. Exactly. So tell me about Spirit of the Marathon 2. What is this documentary about and how did you end up becoming a part of it? I was so fortunate to be a part of Spirit of the Marathon 2. I was um, I was running, I was at track, and I think my husband was coaching one of the producers and he had mentioned to her my story and she she thought that was crazy, but wanted to meet with me. And so I, I interviewed with her and the director and, um, I completely thought I bombed the interview. I went home crying. I'm like, they're never, they're never going to give it to me, but, but they called and they took a chance on me. And can you imagine, they didn't even think for one second that I wasn't going to finish the 52 marathons. They had complete faith. It didn't even enter their mind that if I didn't finish, the movie would have been completely different, you know? So that was really cool of them to take a chance on me. And I was very fortunate to be in that and uh, be able to spread my message of, you know, raising awareness and hope and my love for my father and running and all of that. <laughs> it was awesome. And it's still available, Spirit of the Marathon 2. I believe it's on um, Amazon and iTunes as well. Awesome. So definitely check it out. And I imagine that gave you just an extra boost to finish the marathon project because you had these people behind you covering you in this, right? Absolutely. But I've found um, with that movie and in life and in everything, I believed from the start that I was going to finish the 52. There was like nothing that was going to stop me. Some people were like, oh, you don't have to finish. I'm like, of course I do. 
you know, I, I'm finishing this. Um, in my mind, I was finishing it. When I qualified for Boston, I knew I was going to qualify. I mean, it was this, this faith, conviction, purpose, determination, burning desire, all of that that made it so successful. And those are the things that you need to take into anything you do because that's the way you're going to be successful. I loved what I was doing, and I believed in it with all of my heart. And um, also, you know, there was an element of fun as well, you know, with the marathons. I know some people are like, running a marathon is fun. I'm like, well, it can be, you know. I would suggest, you know, if you're thinking about running or if you're thinking about starting some form of exercise, keep it fun. It's very important. That's my husband's number one rule it's to make sure you're having fun. Yeah, because if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Right. I mean, it's not always going to be fun, but... But ultimately, the overarching theme, I put myself through a lot of physical pain in the name of fun myself uh, through through my years in roller derby. I do obstacle racing now, and they're not always fun in the moment, but there's something about it when I'm doing it and after I'm done that's like... I love doing this. You know, I love putting myself through this pain and being up on the mountain and things like that. And I'm so glad you mentioned believing in yourself because it's something that I tell people and I have to remind myself all the time when it comes to learning something new that's that's difficult, that feels impossible. It's you're not going to get it until you believe you can. And so once you believe you can, everything becomes easier. So I, I love that you mentioned that because I, I think it's such a key element to doing these crazy, bold things that you want to do in life that feel amazing once you've done them is to truly believe you can. Absolutely. You know, there's a great quote that says, uh, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. You're right. Yes. (laughs) And it is so true. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Let's talk about the entirety of your racing and running career thus far. To this date, how many marathons have you run? Do you do you know the number? I do, and it's on my website with all of my times and places, everything that um, I I run 102 marathons. I ran my 102nd one um, in LA in March, March 19th, I believe. And how many years have you been running marathons? I ran my first marathon in 2008, so nine years. Awesome. That's an amazing number. 102 marathons in nine years. And I'm sure that 52 really helped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So can you take us back to your worst race or your worst competitive moment? There was a few dark moments, I guess you could say. One of the races on my, my 52 um, was run at night. It started at midnight and I am not a night person. So at 4 a.m. I'm at mile 18 and we're running this race in right outside of Nevada, area 51. It's called the extraterrestrial full moon midnight marathon and I was just like done (laughs) you know at four in the morning mile 18 I still got you know all these miles to go and I I, um you know I basically I made it in I made it through I didn't stop I saw David ahead of me who's my husband now and I saw lights and I thought it was aliens and they were coming to take me away and this was it (laughs) but it was him (laughs) the environment got in your head Yeah, it it was rough. It was really rough. I mean, I crossed that finish line. I'm like, don't ever make me do that again. It was, it was rough. I mean, the marathon, um, the um, marathon was great. I mean, they provided excellent food and lights and everything you needed that they were, they were fantastic, but just it just wasn't my race yeah (laughs) it it sounds like an otherwise really cool event just the the theme of it just this like middle of the night run through area 51 like 
on paper sounds really cool. So well organized and a really cool alien metal. But it was tough for me mentally. So what is the most important thing you learned from that experience? Well, as I crossed the finish line at, uh, I don't know, 6 a.m., I think it was marathon 19 and 52, you know, half out of it. And I realized as bad as it was, there's always something positive about the situation. And it's all about how you look at it. Because I crossed the finish line, there was a beautiful, beautiful sunrise behind me, and it was the morning of what would have been my father's 76th birthday. And uh, that picture actually ended up in Oprah's magazine, and I'm getting chills as I speak about it, because no matter how, how bad your, your race goes, or you know, you can, you can always learn from it, you can always look at the positives, you can always look at what you could have done to make it better. And and look at the fact that you didn't give up. You showed up anyways. You know, it's not just about me. You know, there's so many other things to look at that are positive. So you choose to look at the positives. And that's what I've learned. I mean, it's not always easy to remember, but uh, it definitely helps. And there's always there's always a positive. You just have to sometimes when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to see. But I'm just imagining you just having this tough night and then seeing this beautiful desert sunrise. Yeah, the picture is on my website, actually. If you uh, take a look at the website, marathongoddess.com, you'll see it up there. So check that out, because I imagine that kind of puts everything in perspective a little bit. It does. Absolutely. So on the other side, can you tell me about your favorite race or your greatest accomplishment in the sport? I have so many. I have so many, so many positives. I I, I told you about uh, qualifying for Boston on my 19th attempt. Sad that, you know, my father wasn't there. But when I crossed that finish line and I had done it, I knew that I could do anything. Um, Crossing the finish line of my 52nd marathon in 52 weeks was epic, hard to describe in words. You know, the feeling of all of the people that I had helped and all of the people that I ran for and my family and my friends and these pancreatic cancer survivors that were with me at the finish line. My dear friend Lupe, she ran in with me, uh, three-time pancreatic cancer survivor. And, you know, the people from the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network were there. And that was a moment that was huge for me. Uh, I mean, to accomplish a feat like that. And with no injuries. I mean, how do you do that? I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, if you, you look back at some of your greatest accomplishments, if you're ever feeling down or feeling feeling not okay with, you know, we've all done something great and look back at it. It doesn't have to be 52 marathons, but we've all got something that we could replace a negative thought with of something we've done that was wonderful or that made you feel wonderful and use that energy and go forward. I'm using that, you know, with the book that um, will be coming out next year, you know, all of that. Um, These are great things and they don't have to be big things, little things. But uh, that was huge for me, uh, finishing that race and and qualifying for Boston. But all the people that I ran for and with um, during all my marathons, because I was always dedicating a race to somebody who was affected by pancreatic cancer and um, it took on a life of its own. It was something way bigger than myself. So not I wasn't just running for me anymore. It wasn't about me. It was about these people that I was running for. And that's huge. And I mean, you know, giving them hope and inspiration and the will to continue to fight and continue to live or running for those who are no longer with us, um, bringing back their memory as I run for them. That's big. That's big and good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the word big is not 
big enough for what that is, you know? I don't know. <laughs> There's like, yeah. there isn't, there isn't a word to describe how big that is. Cause it's just, it's like you said, like it wasn't about you. It was about all these people. It was about, you know, these people that were fighting that knew that they had somebody in their corner fighting for them and running for them. Or running with them. Yes. That was so rewarding for, for all of us. And it's just, it's wonderful. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well put, well put. So what kind of unique challenges or perhaps conversely benefits do you find you encounter as an older athlete in your 40s, training and competing at such a high level? Well, you know, as I, I, I've run so many marathons and my training and competing is not at such a high level anymore. I know that it's possible if I still want it to be, but I also know that it's not that serious. You know what I mean? A lot of runners are very, very focused, which is awesome on their time and whether they qualify or not, or, you know, and I've been there where it's like, it, it can be like the worst thing that's ever happened to you, but it's not. I mean, you think about, and I learned this when I was, going through my 52 marathons, it's not about the time, really. I mean, think about these people I'm running for who are fighting for their lives. What we're doing out there is nothing compared to what these people are going through. So honestly, it's not that serious, whether you qualify or not, or you got the time you wanted. It's just another, another opportunity to try it again, if you're lucky enough to continue to train and get another chance at it. But it's just the people you love and the people you touch along the way. It's, you know, obviously the journey that is so, so wonderful. And I, I just don't, I, I just want people to understand that it's, it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, don't yeah. take it so seriously. It's not that serious. You know, it should be fun. Um, and being a little older and you might have to work a little harder. You know, it's not as easy to get up at five or four in the morning anymore and to get out there and run when it's cold and dark, you know, but it's possible and you can modify. There's things you can do to adjust your schedule, to make it work, to make sure you get enough rest and you do all the things you need to do so that you can be successful. It's just not quite as easy, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s to wake up, I find, at 5 or 4.30 in the morning like it used to be. But that's okay. Yeah. There's, a, there's always a way. And I think in your 20s and 30s, you could probably get away with less sleep. Like you could get up that early, but you get away, you could go to bed later. And that's something I've been learning. I'm in my early forties, but it's like, yeah, I could get up at five in the morning, but I got to go to bed at nine and I've got to be really good about it. I have to be consistent with sleep. um, And then I could do it. But uh, so yeah, just being a little mind, a little more mindful about taking care of yourself makes it possible. I find as as oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yes, self care is like huge. You know, take care of yourself. Little little things along the way to put yourself first. And um, if you need that extra hour of sleep, I say go for it. Oh yeah. Sleep is awesome. That's what I learned how important sleep is. I think as I get older, that is wisdom that comes with age. I remember being younger, and it's like, we'll sleep when we're dead, and it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, sleep is kind of awesome, and and y'all should try it. <laughs> <laughs> and I like your advice about not taking things so so hard because I definitely 
like people can be hard on themselves when they're competitive. And that's just that kind of goes hand in hand with being a competitive personality. But I think it seems with you, you've, you've shifted your focus and your focus is for the greater good and for the fundraising. And that's what drives you forward. And, and so the, the race itself, the, the competitive event is the fun part and the enjoyable part. And it, you don't seem to take things so hard anymore because you have a greater purpose. That's right. And I actually still want to be competitive. I still want to qualify for Boston one more time. I think that I've got it in me. So we'll see if I can um, give it another go and get that, you know, my mojo back. <laughs> well, I'm, I am pulling for you. I If you can pull off 52 marathons in 52 weeks, I think you've, you've got the drive. Thank you. I yeah, it's there somewhere. <laughs> it's there somewhere. You you just got to remind yourself where it is because it's there. So can you talk about your book a little bit? Can you give us some details about the book you're working on? Absolutely. That has been a work in progress since I finished the 52 marathons. I have been um, struggling to, to write. I'm not a professional writer, so I am so fortunate to have found a writing partner, John Hans, who is an amazing writer. And we are working together to make this book. Um, a New York Times number one bestseller because he is that good. The story is that good. It's got drama. It's got a love story. It's got comedy. It's got everything you need to. It's a nail biter. So it's going to be epic. And I, I can't wait for everyone to read it and be able to share my story with the world. Uh, John has done some, some wonderful books on running himself. He's a, a I think, 19-time marathoner, and um, he gets it. <laughs> so I'm so fortunate to be working with him, and I, I know this book is going to be a huge success. Really excited about it. Based on our conversation today, you have an amazing story. And so I, I think it's great to, to dive in even deeper with that. So do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your journey as the marathon goddess that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Absolutely. And I, I think I mentioned a little bit about it before, but just to know, and this is a quote, one of my favorites by C.S. Lewis, is that you are never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. Now, if I, at age 37, who is overweight and on antidepressants, can do something like what I've done, anything is possible. So I am reminding you of that. Follow your dreams. And another piece of wisdom is if you're a new runner or if you're new, if you're starting something new is start slow, especially running. A lot of, a lot of our runners out there, you know, always wanted to try it or they say they hate running. Um, it's usually because they start too fast. They go out there and they burn themselves out and it's no fun. So um, if you're, if you're new at this game, go out there, just walk and run, get out there with your dog, a friend, and uh, start slow and then gradually build up or get a running group together, something so that you can keep it fun and you'll continue to want to do it and grow with that. So um, I just wanted to remind you of that. If, you, if you've if you tried running before and you thought you just hate running, it's probably because you went out too fast. So just keep keep it easy, keep it fun. And remember, we got this. 
we got this. And I love that advice about running because it's it's true. I used to say I would never run. I said that for years until I decided I don't even remember why to start running. But I started slow. I started training for a 5K and then did a few of those and then said, OK, maybe try a 10K. And that's the great thing about running is it's so accessible at so many levels. And there's so, you know, if you want to do a race, there's a race for every interest. If you like hot chocolate, there's a hot chocolate 5K. If you like Disney, there's tons of those, you know. And so you can start at whatever level or you could just, like you said, go walk your dog and jog with your dog. Your do- if you have a big dog, you'll be running fast in no time. <laughs> but you can build or you, you can decide it's for you or decide it's not for you. But it's great to try. When I used to say I would never run and now I've done several half marathons and obstacle races. So I found my outlet. So there is always something and it's just a great way to exercise with a goal. That's what I love about running is that, you know, if you hate working out or if you're frustrated with your workouts, it gives you something to focus on with a goal. And then it takes your mind off of the the other stuff that can surround working out that that can get in your head and just let you work towards that goal. And so there is something for everybody if that's something you want to try. That's right. Goals make you happy. When you have something to focus on and some, you know, challenge, they actually can make you happy. So find something that you love. What is it that you would love? And choose a positive goal and go for it. Yep. And you got this. Exactly. If someone wants to learn more about you, contact you or make a donation to help in the fight against pancreatic cancer, where should they go? Well, thank you so much for asking, Robin. You can go to my website, marathongoddess.com. And as I mentioned, I have the four different charities up there. One that speaks to your heart. Um, Choose one. It all goes to a wonderful cause going to cure pancreatic cancer and um, helping support the patients out there that are dealing with this. And also, um, I am on Twitter at Marathon Goddess, Instagram, Marathon Goddess, and Facebook. Fantastic. So go find Julie. Learn more about her, make a donation and help her in this fight. So Julie, thank you so much for being on the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you, hearing about this journey that you've been on, uh, hearing about all the amazing work that you've been doing for the cause for awareness of the fight against pancreatic cancer and all your running accomplishments. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Best of luck on your goal as you continue to help save lives in your father's honor. Aw, thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music that you heard in this episode is from bensound.com. There's still time for you to get in on the Seasoned Athlete Podcast launch giveaway where you could win a Seasoned Athlete Starter Pack. What's in that? I'm going to tell you. You could win a free entry into any U.S. Spartan race courtesy of Obstacle Racing Media, a Chuddy Winks custom metal rack, a Rollflex active muscle release device designed with the athlete in mind, a pair of Fit4 gloves, the official glove of Spartan Race, and a pair of .6 Merino wool socks. That's quite a bounty, my friends, and it will get you all set up and fired up to tackle any seasoned athlete endeavor that you might have in mind. And entering is easy. You just need to leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes about this or any of our seasoned athlete episodes. Just go to seasonathlete.me and click on the giveaway post at the top of the page to get all the details on how to officially enter this giveaway. Find us on social at Seasoned Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And do you know any super awesome seasoned athletes who would make perfect guests for this show? Send us an email to seasonedathlete at gmail.com and tell us all about them. Now go forth and embrace your extraordinary seasoned athletes because you know what? You so can.